0: Hey, how's it going, folks? It's Abdullah and Bean, and welcome to another episode of Great Moments in Weed History. This month, along with the rest of the world, we are celebrating pride. You might remember that last year we rebroadcast a couple of episodes, our one about Dennis Perone and our one about Brownie Mary and their struggles to get patients cannabis during the AIDS crisis, please do go check out those episodes about these two intrepid activists who were not only gay rights activists in the San Francisco area, but also cannabis activists because of course there was a lot of overlap and remains a lot of overlap between those two communities. And we are so proud to bring you a couple of different episodes celebrating pride month this time around isn't that right bean
1: yeah absolutely you know we were talking about how those dennis perone and brownie mary episodes early episodes of this podcast are foundational to this story of cannabis liberalization to the medical cannabis movement and really to history when it comes to these changes in our society and it just goes to show that it is the most marginalized communities, the most targeted communities that push for and enact these kinds of changes. So whether you're gay, straight, or somewhere in between, this is your story if you love weed. And if you don't know the story of Dennis Perone, if you don't know the story of Brownie Mary, please go back in our archives and re-listen or listen for the first time to those stories. For this Pride Month, We're starting things off with a classic interview with Jessamine Stanley, somebody who we've come to know over the last couple of years as she has moved into this movement with tremendous force of personality, of commitment, and of really representing the modern face of cannabis activism in so many positive ways, even as she continues to live in a prohibition state. Yeah,
0: that's right. As a self-described fat black queer woman, Jessamine has been breaking down barriers in the world of American yoga since she first started posting about her personal practice on Instagram in 2012. And I gotta say, she is so worth a follow because she's truly using Instagram how it needs to be used. Not with a bunch of, you know, fake posturing about, you know, your appearance through a thousand filters. This is a real awesome beautiful cool person who is on full display her lifestyle is on full display and that includes her cannabis use on instagram i I swear she is like one of the only people that is using instagram right out there in the world and
1: we truly commend her for it and she sent us these incredible shirts along with her whole crew at the activist organization she helped co-found We go high, North Carolina. Now, we're going to get to this in a little bit, but if you're a Patreon supporter and you're watching the show, you'll see my amazing shirt that says, No one should be in jail for weed. Yeah, that's right.
0: And I'm wearing one of my now favorite t-shirts, which is a D.A.R.E. shirt, but the caption says, Decriminalize and release everyone. This is my favorite fucking t-shirt. It's a it's a double looker, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you look at it once, you look at it again and you're like, "Oh, I see that the catch is there." They really nailed the design on this
1: one, and I'm totally going to rock it.
0: Love this joint.
1: And of course, just uh, got to mention uh every study that ever followed up on the dare program showed that it absolutely led to more experimentation with drugs among Students who went through this program led by the police coming into your school to talk about shit they have no idea about, which of course just led to more and more funding because we know when the police do something and it doesn't work, the only option is to do more of it.
0: Oh, yeah, exactly. And also shout out that health textbook in ninth grade that introduced the idea of the B40, which is smoking a blunt and drinking a 40. No one had ever come up with this before. Until they saw it in that health textbook and it was like, here are ways in which kids use these terrible drugs. (laughs) Like a B40 is when you smoke a blunt and drink a 40. Well, it led to decades, literal decades, of me smoking blunts in conjunction with drinking 40s. So thank you so much for inventing the B40.
1: Now getting back to Jessamine, our guest on this episode, our new friend, our t-shirt supplier, and really someone who has been inspiring us a lot. She's also the author of a book called Everybody Yoga. She has a new book out called Yoke, My Yoga of Self Acceptance. She hosts a podcast called Dear Jessamine that we highly recommend. And she has created her own yoga app, The Underbelly. She is a very successful person who yeah. also loves to get high. Yeah, absolutely. And if you sort of
0: cringe at the world of American yoga, you know what I'm saying, with all its sort of stereotypes and, and exclusions, then you're going to love Jessamine because she really helps you to find your own power through your own body no matter what that body happens to be and we just so appreciate that kind of positivity in this world
1: absolutely and on the other side of that she is somebody overcoming every day every week every month and every year overlapping stigmas and that's something that we can all find inspiration in she really kind of burst on the scene weed-wise when she posed on the cover of Yoga Journal back in 2019, getting lit, and just basically saying, yes, cannabis and yoga absolutely go together. They absolutely have a very, very, very long history that is in danger of being rewritten and erased, and she is reclaiming. All of that. So this is a story for anybody who has ever felt that your use of cannabis, medicinal, recreational, spiritual, however, has been looked down on, that you have been looked down on for it. You're going to find a lot of inspiration in Jessamine's story. I know that we both have.
0: Yeah, 100%. And this was... One of our favorite interviews, I mean, you know, of the last year or so, ever since the pandemic sort of pushed us more towards an interview format, we've gotten to talk to a lot of really incredible people. I mean, David Crosby, Ricky Williams, but this interview with Jessamine really stands out in my mind. So I'm really excited for everybody
1: to hear this, right, B? I am incredibly excited, of course. We got to do a little business first, so pst, hey, pst- Hey, buddy, buddy, you want that good stuff? You want that real, real good stuff? You know where it's at. You got to go to greatmomentsinweedhistory.com and sign up for the Patreon. You're going to see us in our cool t-shirts. You're going to see us standing in these big fields of totally real weed. Definitely (laughs) not just like a screen that we're standing in front of. You're going to get video versions of every episode of the podcast exclusively And at the $20 level, you can get a signed copy of my book, How to Smoke Pot, properly mailed directly to your door. Yeah, that's
0: right. We really appreciate everyone who supports us on Patreon. Perhaps you're watching this in video form right now, looking at our cool t-shirts from Jessamine. That's one of the perks of being a Patreon supporter of great moments in weed history, along with a whole bunch of other bonuses And if you are not currently a Patreon supporter, but you'd like to consider it, please check us out at greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. We would love to have you. Our patrons are incredibly important to us. You help us keep making this podcast the way that we want to make it. And we thank you for it. So go to greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. All righty. I think we're just about ready to go. Bean, I've got my...
1: Puffco Peak with my Hitman Topper all loaded up here. How about yourself? Oh, I've actually got a nice joint. I just rolled up. I ran into a friend of the podcast recently, a grower who gifted me a nice little nug. I gotta say, we especially appreciate those Patreon donations because we can spend them on things like hosting and, you know, all the technical aspects of the podcast. Can't really pay for that in weed, but. If you run into us and you want to give us some weed, that is always appreciated. And of course, if you are listening to this and you're not quite there yet, you've not rolled up yet, it's cool. It's totally fine. Just hit pause and take that time to roll up a joint, to split a blunt, to pack a bong, to pack a bowl, to dab a dab, to rub lotions and oils all over yourself, or to eat some edibles because... Whatever it takes to get you ready, when you're ready, we'll be ready for another Great Great Moment in in weed Weed History.
0: Check 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 check. Okay, there we go. Good stuff. <laughs> that was the hard check.
1: That was <laughs> intense. You gotta yeah. have a hard check. We check our. We try to check each other before we wreck ourselves. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good move. I like to check myself after I've already wrecked myself. That's, that's <laughs> like generally, because it's like you know. You're always one banana peel away from finding your dreams and having yeah. just go
0: the way they should go. Your check yourselves are a post-mortem. You know what I mean? That's, exa- that's
2: exactly right. <laughs> literally. I'm like, man, why even bother at this point? It's like, just like, just hit it. Yeah, exactly.
1: I think I really like this rolling start that we're on right now. You
2: know, can I tell y'all for real, just like straight up, today has been so ratchet. And I was like, this is the first, this is like, there's never a situation where I can actually like be open about the fact that like, y'all, I need to blaze. This is the reality <laughs> of the situation. Like this yeah. is this is my life. And I'm like, I can actually be real with y'all in that way. And so thank you for holding
1: space
0: for that truth. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> this is what we hold space for. Absolutely. <laughs> <That's laughs> what we're here for. And weed puns.
1: <laughs> all right. Let's let's get them all all three simultaneous yeah, blazing. It. Welcome. To great moments in weed history. This
2: is a dream come true. Can I just like be really fucking real with y'all? Please. Y'all do work that I think is so important. Some of the archival work that you're doing is just, at this point, is so crucial. Like It's just to actually be able to have these stories and and be able to share them in perpetuity in this way is so important. And just from a historical perspective. And so I'm really honored to be here with y'all and really like just... This is I don't I don't
0: always feel this way about everything, but I'm just like
2: <laughs> y'all are doing work that I think is so important. And I'm, I'm grateful to be in community.
0: Oh, really. Thank you. The, the feeling is definitely mutual. You know, you're here because you are a part of weed history. And so much of that is being public about who you are and what you represent. And you do that very strongly and You see the impact and how many people that resonates with. And I think you've really shown that. So we really appreciate you uh, bringing cannabis into the fold of your public life. I
2: wish it wasn't a big deal to do this. Like, I wish this was like not remarkable. I wish that there was nothing interesting about like fat black queer kid from Durham, North Carolina, smoking weed. Living your life. Like, it should be as interesting as, like, what toilet paper do you use? Like, or not that. I think it should be (laughs) more interesting than that. It should be like, what kind of vegetables do you like? I don't know, man. It shouldn't (laughs) be as big of a deal as it is. And I feel like actually letting people know that the activism is really as simple as being honest and authentic with yourself. That is. That's really the heart of the activism, letting people know that and like letting them find that kind of freedom for themselves. I just I don't think I ever anticipated that being a part of my life, honestly. And I hope that there are people who are able to experience that because I'm just like just trying to honestly and authentically live my own life.
1: I appreciate that. And, you know, for us, I, I, for for Abdullah and I, it's like we both lived in prohibition states mm. uh, and then left and came to California. Mm. Uh, and like that dichotomy, it, it, it splits my whole weed life in half. And now Bad. full circle. New York just legalized. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we could get into the details, but it's a really good law, certainly compared Mm -hmm. to other laws in other states. You can smoke pot anywhere. Listen to my voice, people. Anywhere. You could smoke a cigarette in New York City. You can now smoke a joint. Please don't stop listening to the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, but go
0: outside and say, I'm sober as hell. And I'm
1: not going to get stoned you know, inside anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, but just we on purpose, on the street. <laughs> yes. And, but we still get, you know, emails that, as, as we were talking about before, check ourselves from people. And, and they both break my heart and inspire us of people who say, man, uh, you know, I live in such and such a place. The war on weed is still full on here. And I love listening to you guys because it, uh, you know, opens me to that vision of that world. And also, you know, some of our stories that are about people overcoming or pushing back against this prohibition. Uh, so we, we just live in this world where uh, an imaginary borderline separates you from, uh, upstanding citizen and hyper-capitalist of the, uh, uh, weed co versus, you know, targeted person, marginalized person, incarcerated person. And like, uh, I think what's really instructive about history and talking to people about history is, we see our own lives reflected in it, and I see your life, Jessamine, uh, straddling these uh, boundaries, and and yeah, saying, "What does it mean? Why do they even exist?"
2: Yes, I live in a prohibition state, North Carolina. Oh, fucking God, y'all would be probably honestly like surprised by how backwards it is here. Still in 2021, the way that they, the lies that are told, the misinformation. Yeah, we would be (laughs) in jail (laughs) right no that's the thing is that we're all just like like people don't talk about it because there is there are literal consequences and i have found and this is a, a space of privilege absolute privilege that i sit in but i have found so much power in being able to just be like you know what honestly fuck it i don't think there's any reason to be in this game of life, if I'm not willing to just be... Like, if that means that I have to do something that is in direct opposition to the law and also be public about it. And, like, that means that it's even easier to target me. If that's what that means, then that's what that means because that is how you make change. And it makes you for me, it makes me feel really powerful. I was so inspired by the story of people like Dennis Perone. I think of Dennis Perrone literally like every fucking day. I think about like all the different things that happened that like you would you would think there'd be a point where it's like Maybe I'll scale back or mm, maybe I'll stop. And it's like, you just can't. And like now California's legislation is just so, I mean, like there are definitely problems with it, but like it's so there, there's, there's been so much movement and it's because of people being able to give the middle finger. And it's helpful to see, um, it's helpful to say, see green states and the people who live there and like the freedom, because I think it is inspiring to people who live in prohibition states. And I just, I I mean, but the thing that is wild to me though, is how much the stigma still prevails, even in green states, like what it means to be a user and to be like, to just have that be a part of your life. It, even when you can do it legally, it's like, People will still uh, be prejudiced against you. You will face persecution, especially in the workplace. And I just—that's where so much of my own personal activism, especially with my organization, We Go High. That's where so much of that resides because it's like even even once you fight the. To me, <laughs> this. Is, <laughs> I don't, know how, I don't know how to talk about this without talking about this. But to me, legalization is like a white man's game. It's kind of like, oh, like, how are we going to tax this? And like, how can we make money off of it?
0: The real difference that I first noticed moving from the East Coast to the West Coast is it's almost like the regulations and the laws don't have as major of an impact as the culture of a place, right? New York may have legalized cannabis. In fact, I learned the hard way that New York decriminalized weed back in the 70s, but that in New York City, the NYPD was still using cannabis to frisk, search, detain and arrest people. Right. And it really is kind of troubling because you realize that it's about the people. Right. The laws can say one thing, but as long as people are perceiving cannabis users as this or that or whatever right and they have their own stereotypes we're gonna have a problem and those stereotypes are so incredibly persistent the thing that i notice now that cannabis is all over mainstream media is they're still kind of a chuckle and a wink and a nod (laughs) always 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 oh so silly weed (laughs) so that's so goofy right and the fucked up thing is People are still going to jail for this. People are still curing their deeply debilitating ailments with this. This is serious shit. When people chuckle and wink and nod about cannabis, I'm like, this is a serious, serious issue. We may have fun, right? We may be lighthearted, chill people, but this shit
1: is serious. And that's how I feel with the weed puns. Honestly, like it's a running joke in the show. Obviously, <laughs> if you're if this is your first time listening, and they're somewhat done slightly ironically, but from a very real place in my heart. He but loves it's them. Like, he
0: totally. He I've, loves those weed puns. I know it. I've earned the right. yeah.
2: I feel like, right. so yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like I, that's
0: what I, that's what I, Mark says is being
2: dope and interesting. People is that like you can still make a joke at the end. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> but you'll see a weed pun to get to the point of, that you both were were bringing up. You'll see a weed pun in an Associated Press article about people getting arrested. You, you know what I mean? Literally. Like, that's...
2: <laughs> because there is so little respect for, just put frankly, the lives of Black and Brown people. There's so low respect. It's literally just like, like, oh yeah. Like, how is it okay that people are able to like, literally just live their best weed lives and then in the same state, like in the same county sometimes, you know what I mean? It's like people are still, and even, you don't have to go to jail for this to fuck with your life. Like you could just, any kind of, any kind of legal persecution is just like you are making... You're making a state where people feel like they can't be themselves and can't medicate. And I wonder how long it will take to even purge out some of this like this the prohibition rhetoric it just it clings on it's like it gets it's like it's in the fibers of the carpet you know what it is it's like somebody stepped in dog shit and then like scraped their foot on the ground and it is just stuck in the fibers of our world at this point and i'm like Ooh. how many washes how many decades of washes is it gonna take and i think it'll take a couple but it just requires us all to take responsibility the, talking about it is the most important thing i think i think it's the most important thing that you can do like just
0: I, I say we amputate that foot <laughs> <laughs>
1: At least the shoe. And that 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 very, very vivid image uh brought to my mind the visceral remembrance of Febreze as the smell of we're about to smoke a joint. I know, right? <laughs> tons and tons of
2: Febreze. Um, that is still a signature aroma out here. So y'all better like well, it's that and it's like osium, but like the like the last dregs of it, like the French vanilla. French vanilla scented osium. Is like the still the thing (laughs) out here. I mean, I don't know though. I just because one of the one of the tools of of legalization in North Carolina is this CBD versus, uh, marijuana versus cannabis conversation. So it's like CBD is legal in North Carolina. And even people will be like, they'll be like, if anybody says anything to you, just say you're smoking CBD. And it's like this gentrification of weed where I'm like, bitch. Everybody, like, I get it and I full, I get it, but it's definitely, I think, doing long-term damage to our ability to actually be honest. It makes it where, like, some things are okay and other things are not okay. Like anything, THC, the word cannabis, even. Is just like, it's bad. That's not, that's not what we're doing. But if you say CBD, it's okay. You know, it's fine. And it's gotta be, we have to let go of this desire to be accepted by a system that is, does not exist to accept us. (laughs) It's not going to. It doesn't, it doesn't want for us to not feel persecuted. I think that we can get distracted by legalization and distracted by like, having access to some people having access to some parts of the plant. And it's creating a a malaise, even within the community of like weed people. And I think there's a lot of silence. I think there's a lot of, um, a lot of fear and that we all on an individual level have a, um, a responsibility, but also a, um, Just a power to to create space for space where there has not been.
0: Yeah. You know, I think it's really telling that, you know, we were talking about California's weed industry, right? It is overwhelmingly straight white men and Despite all the measures that are being taken, the social equity programs, which have largely been a failure, at least in this state, and, you know, the the efforts to say, oh, like, we're, you know, trying to support black and brown or female or queer owned businesses, it just is not enough. And, you know, in the end, what it does, it ends up allowing those same white men to say, oh, well, we threw them a bone. You know, we supported the social equity program. uh, You know, it's after that. It's a competitive market. You know, whoever wins, wins. But the fact of the matter is you don't acknowledge the handicap in the end, you know, and that's the ugliest part of it, I think.
1: And even if you live in a state that legalizes or that has already legalized, you still live in a society that waged a hundred year long racist, pointless failure of a war against, I'm going to say it, the most beneficial plant. You know, I, no, I could literally. be wrong about that last part, but that doesn't change. So, you know, that's why I think on our show and, and reaching out to you, Jessamine, like we have to stay a resistance culture as weed people, no matter what. And anybody who doesn't get that was never a part of it to begin with. And I don't think we can let them in until they understand that part. And I'm hoping, like, can you, you know, maybe take us a little through your mm-hmm. personal journey uh, and how you got to to here, to, to mm-hmm. blazing with us.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, well, there was a lot of weed. Um, before this, that definitely was a part <laughs> of how I, this has managed to happen. Um, no, okay. So <laughs> I am a yoga teacher, I'm a writer. I've, my first book Everybody Yoga came out in 2017 and my next book Yoke My Yoga of Self-Acceptance will be out this summer June 2021. I'm the co-host of the podcast Dear Jessamine and I am the co-founder of We Go High North Carolina which is a it's a collective of weed people in North Carolina who are tired of our uh, politicians and legislators not representing us. So how did I come to be talking to y'all? Um, Okay, this is the thing. I was not into... <laughs> this, is, this is probably going to become really evident through this story, actually. But I was not into weed when I... At, like, at all. Before I was, like, in my very early 20s, I... I'm a Virgo rising, always wanted to do well in school. Dare was very important to me. I was like taking notes, like, let me make sure. So I'm not supposed to do this, that, and the <laughs> other thing. And like, I was definitely not like a cool kid in high school. I did not know, I was not in the know with anything. And I live in a prohibition state. One of the lies that was told in Dare is that like, people will try to get you to smoke weed. No, they won't. They literally won't. Like, if you're not friends <laughs> with them, they're not going to do that. So. They don't want to share. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you share? <laughs> what are you talking about? So, um, yeah, so I didn't at all. And then when I was in graduate school, I was going through a period of depression that is the same. If you've been 23, you know what I was going through. I was like, I don't I don't know what's going on in my life. Everything is awful. The, the shit was hitting the fan. And um, one of my friends was like, oh, my God, you should come to yoga. You would love it. And I was like, I am not going to yoga because I had actually tried yoga once when I was in high school and just absolutely hated it. And she got me caught up on a Groupon. It was like, if you go one time, what's the harm? You paid this fee, it'll be fine. And um, I started going to practice and... It, nothing, I was, it wasn't like I went and I was like, Oh my God, I'm so good at yoga. It's changed my life. No, I was literally like, everything about this is awful. It smells terrible in here. It's really hot. All the postures are impossible. Like, I'm the fattest person here. I'm the only black person. It was very alienating, but, um, I didn't realize how much of my, um, sadness was really coming from not ever stepping outside of any boxes like I decided who I was I decided what I was good at and what I was allowed to do and what I was allowed to be and I never step outside those boxes if I thought I wasn't going to be good at something I never just not even try it and in yoga it literally requires you to reckon with that piece of yourself and um it's I think sometimes, you know, people come to class and they're like, wow, this is really hard. I didn't know that was gonna be the case. And it's like, yeah, it's trying to kick the shit out of you so that you can actually be honest with yourself about who you
1: are weed will kick the shit out of you to make you see who you are as well.
2: Exactly. So around this same time I had started smoking weed and um <laughs> I I'm not going to go into that. But I used to smoke before practice <laughs> and I would I would just like hotbox box my car and then go into class like reeking of weed. This is like the fattest person in the room just like reek like weed. Hell yeah, that's how you represent. Yo, this is my <laughs> life. Anyway, so <laughs> I became really healed by this experience, being able to just clean myself from the inside out. I didn't know then that yoga and weed have a thousands of year old relationship. Like yoga and weed have always gone together because people and weed have always gone together. And the plant, I believe, really exists so that we can do that internal cleaning so that when you are engaged in any type of living and all of life is yoga, everything is yoga. When you're living your yoga, that you're able to be really... Um, in tune with what's going on and allow the, allow the droplets to roll off your back a little bit easier and, um, and really enjoy and appreciate and love all that this life has to offer because it has so very much to offer. That love of weed and yoga is really what has brought me to be here with you guys today. I know that was a (laughs) a long walk around the road to get to the answer of your question,
1: but yeah,
0: you know. It really does resonate when you talk about a level of discomfort in going to yoga. You know, I've never been a guy who goes to the gym. I'm a very skinny guy, right? And that always has made me self-conscious about it, right? And I remember going to yoga and being with a bunch of white people in a room <laughs> and hearing them mispronouncing Sanskrit words, right? Like I'm I'm Pakistani, I'm I'm South Asian. Uh, I'm not Hindu. So, you know, technically yoga is not in my, uh, you know, cultural tradition in that way. But it is this weird thing about having your culture regurgitated back to you in some ways, right? And I remember no one told me that I should take off my socks when I'm, (laughs) when I'm doing it. You know what I mean? So I was like, kind of like didn't have good footing. It was extremely uncomfortable. Mispronouncing
2: Sanskrit. Like what the fuck. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, and it's a very weird feeling. There's a lot of stuff in America that's like that. You know what I mean? Where you'll have stuff, you know, now some people try to tell me about the Ayurveda and I'm like, that's something, you know, like that my, you know, ancestors have been involved in for a long time. You know, I grew up with that understanding. And now that it's sort of in the Whole Foods zeitgeist, it gets fit
1: back, right? If I could come at this from from my experience, this is the lender's bagelification <laughs> of, uh, of both yoga and weed. And, you know, when somebody yeah. hands me a piece of circular bread... That doesn't make it a bagel. That's not. That's
2: not I'm just cause you're giving me this, yeah. Okay, so okay, it's the. I'm so sorry, y'all. This is like I just deeply appreciate this so much. It's like the it's the cornrows. So okay, so this is the thing. Oh <laughs> so
0: yeah, oh appropriation. My God. So have you been on a Caribbean vacation oh my lately? Fucking is that God. Where have you been? Came um, from?
2: <laughs> have you been in North Carolina in the year two thousand one? My problem with the white people getting excited. <laughs> (laughs) about aliyah is that anyway okay this is the thing (laughs) i feel like i the the it's so awkward to culturally appropriate south asian culture when you also have your identity appropriated and this is like the weird line i think for anyone who is not white but also practices american yoga so much of what yoga actually is has nothing to do with um, Sanskrit or like taking anyone else's culture. It's about looking within yourself and honestly engaging with the truth of yourself. And that will always lead you back to your own culture every time.
1: We talked about the parallels between the yoga industrial complex and the sort of emerging cannabis weed industrial complex. And there's a corporatization involved in both of them. And one of the things I think we react against a lot on this show is now starting to feel marginalized by uh, the people in charge of the weed economy. Uh, for for loving weed too much or something, you know? Yeah, we were victims of prohibition and now we're victims of legalization. Literally. And I know that, you know, that's something that definitely informed and shaped your decision to be so public about about cannabis. So what was your decision-making process like?
2: I just felt so guilty. Like, I felt like... I felt like it was my responsibility to be that if I have a platform and that I can I can say something is all I have to say that I like yoga. That is not that's not all that's happening here. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like there was a need to use the platform for good and to be um, to live as an example honestly. And I felt like it was irresponsible for me to just be like, like, oh, well, I can smoke weed, but like, you know, nobody else can, you know, like, no, I don't want to, I want to just be, and I don't think everybody needs to feel the same way that I do. Like, I, I think that I, I see the road toward a world where it is fully normalized and I can't not be a part of it. So that was the biggest thing for me. Um, But also I didn't want to not be able to talk about it forever. So like, I didn't want to have people believing something about me, like basically following me or being um, interested in my work because of something that, is not true. And I noticed that whenever I talked about really sensitive topics, like whether it's my, uh, whether it's being the reality of being black in America or talking about politics or like whatever, I noticed that I'd lose so many followers, like thousands of followers in a day, just from like speaking my mind. And I was like, good you know like i'm glad i'm glad to know that you feel this way like i would hate for you to be over here thinking that i'm like especially because like i think followership in and of itself is so fucking weird because i just don't think that like i don't think being followed is a good idea and i don't think it's a good idea to follow other people like just i think you should follow yourself but I also noticed that people are coming to me, like, looking for it. They're looking for something. And I'm like, if I don't have what you're looking for, like, please know that and go with God. So, but I was like, this is a pretty big thing. And it's very polarizing. And I know that there are going to be people forever that don't agree with this about me. And I would rather just let it be known now how I feel and who I am and not have to deal with that shit for the rest of my life. And like, if that has a negative impact on my business, then so be it. But like, and the thing is, it hasn't. That's the fire thing about it. (laughs) If you are honest with yourself and like are keeping it real and actually like are moving from a space of truth, the universe is going to receive you because it has to happen. And I think that like, for me those factors were what made it absolutely imperative to me and the reason that I keep talking about it because like I wouldn't keep talking about it because again I don't really think it's that interesting I feel like everybody smokes weed that's the thing that's, that's the thing about it is everybody smokes weed so like it's not that big of a
0: deal
1: Everybody on this podcast Yeah, we're three for three
0: (laughs) But like
2: people, so many people That you would never think smoke weed Absolutely do And I'm just like If everyone is doing it Then maybe if we all just say That we're doing it Then it will be okay to do it And I'm not talking about It will be legal to do it So that is why and how I ended up Coming out as a, as a weed head. And I feel like I hear a lot of people say like, well, you know, maybe you can do that, but I can't do that or other people can't do that. And I think that's fine. And I think it's about what you feel is your moral responsibility. And I think a lot of people actually do just want to feel free that's what that's been the dope thing about starting we go high is that we have people reach out to us every day who are just like yeah like i'm on board with this mission like i don't they literally don't know anything about what we do or why we exist they're just like no one should be in jail for weed yes i agree with that and i want to be like i i want to do literally anything i'll make um signs i'll like do y'all want to make these shirts do y'all want to do these things like like literally people just want to know that it's okay to be themselves. And for me, that's, that was worth it. It's worth it. That's, that's the reason I do it
0: in terms of taking ownership. Right. I, I think that that's kind of the boldest thing that you've done. And the interesting thing about that is that if you were a straight white man, it wouldn't be considered bold. <laughs> right. And it's, it's because, it's because you are taking ownership of this and you represent a bunch of marginalized populations of people, right? And of course, the people from those groups are going to see you as their champion, right? But the people from the established groups are going to see you as challenging to their narrative, right? That they own it, that that's what the ownership looks like. And so what kind of backlash or pushback have you gotten from that community? I mean, you know, of course, it's a battle on all fronts. What has that experience been like for you? Mm. Mm, mm, mm,
2: mm, 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 mm. I have been very blessed to have a team that really supports me and understands my mission. And I find that more often than not, what we encounter in negotiation is that everyone wants to... Everyone wants to find some level of common common ground. And so in terms of, like, backlash, I would say that it's been... Oh man, this is going to be famous last words. I bet some shit's going to pop off literally as soon as I get off this call. <laughs> but like, I feel like we, we come by it honestly, you know, like I come by, it's like, yeah, this is, this is a platform that Jessamine believes in. And this is something that, um, is really important. And I think generally people, um, are like, yeah, we can feel that, you know, like don't, like maybe it's like, don't hold, don't, smoke weed in a picture or video with this product, but like we're we're cool with the idea because I think honestly a lot of people feel the same way about this topic and that that's a way for them to stand strong now if we're talking about backlash outside of my professional life um yeah I get a lot of people just like coming at me with bullshit that doesn't even nobody's even (laughs) like misinformation loud and wrong and largely I'm just like you know Everybody has their own opinion and um, they're allowed to feel the way that they feel. And a lot of the arguments that people give don't make any sense and are not based in fact and don't have to have anything to do with the way that I live my life. But more than anything, I think I encounter curiosity. I do. Okay. I would say there's a good amount of backlash. I think from black people, like from people of color who are like, you know, it is especially not safe. This type of activism is especially not safe for us because we are marginalized and this is, and targeted. And, and I hear that. And I don't think that this is for everybody and it's not, but I think that if you can, that you should. And, I, to the, to your point about like the, if I was a a straight white guy, this would probably be less notable, but I'm like, you know, if Tom Hanks would just come out the closet as Weedhead, we could get really far. Uh, You know what I mean? I'm (laughs) like, I just think that there's,
0: there's power. He did it for coronavirus. (laughs) You know, that was when
1: people started taking it seriously. That's what I'm
2: saying. If coronavirus can get it... Tom Hanks, man.
1: I've just always thought he'd be the best. The phone lines are open, Tom. Uh it's not, it's not a it's not a call-in show, but I assume you're listening. Come on. He's ready. Yeah. To backtrack for one uh sec, I just want to hit on that your way of of going public with this, uh, unlike most people, was on the cover of Yoga World magazine. <laughs>
2: Wait a minute. That is absolutely (laughs) what happened. God, I am so extra. You know, the thing about it is um, Yoga Journal is a uh, Colorado-based magazine, and I feel like I'm grateful that they know it's good. And I mean, like, yoga and weed really do go together. Like, it's... Whether it's classical yoga or um, what I call American yoga, I think it's... They just they go together. And so I'm like, be on the right side of history with that one, guys, not with anything else. And we can have a whole other conversation about the yoga industrial complex, but maybe that's conversation for a different day.
1: And I can imagine people listening and and maybe they've uh, I'd say ninety nine point nine percent have smoked plenty of weed. Uh, But maybe they've never tried yoga, our listeners, or maybe they've never tried them together. And so what would be um, your insights into combining those two practices? Mm.
2: Go slowly. Use the dose that you typically use, whatever that is. Like, If you are a weed head, go hard. If you (laughs) are... If you're just dabbling in both, both yoga and uh, weed, then I think maybe go slowly and maybe start with a uh, either CBD or like a and like maybe try like a roll on roll ons and like topicals, anything that's you know makes you feel good maybe it's a salve you like to put that on before after practice like mix and match different things pick any type of practice any type of yoga practice it really doesn't matter everything is amazing and anything will change your life but be open to the sensations that are going to come up because it's going to it's going to pull up shit that you've been hiding from. And um, I think that can make us think that we're having a bad time or a bad experience. And really, it's just a gateway to something much bigger within yourself. And it's it's creating a, a fire inside of you that is going to burn away the things that don't need to be there. If you make space for those sensations, I think it can be really incredible. But yeah, go slow. But if you smoke weed and you've never practiced yoga before, you should get you should get blazed as fuck and then get into that shit. And you will <laughs> get your whole life. I'm telling you, it will change your whole life. Because the thing about it is, it's going to be so hard, but you're going to love it. Anyway.
0: Yeah, well, Jasmine, you don't have to tell us twice <laughs> to get absolutely <laughs> blasted, <laughs> stoned. So we'll definitely take you up on that. And thank you so much for that. That was absolutely beautiful. Honestly, if you're listening, that's the best yoga slash weed advice you're going to get anywhere. Jasmine mm-hmm. is an absolute pro. So check her out. Jasmine, uh, what should we plug of yours? Yoke, my Yoga
2: of Self-Acceptance, which is out june 2021 my yoga studio the underbelly you can try a two-week free trial at theunderbelly.com. and you can find us on instagram at the yoga and you can find me on instagram at my name is jessamine and you can find we go high at we go high nc or we go high dot info we Go High is a cannabis justice organization based in North Carolina, and we believe that no one should be in jail for weed.
0: That is a fantastic mission, and something that everyone should absolutely get behind. Thank you so much for being on the show, Jessamine, and for fighting the battles that you're fighting. It's important to a lot of people out there, and we are right here cheering you on. Thanks for being on Great Moments in Weed History. Thanks for having
2: me, y'all. Thanks for having me. I'm
1: Well, that's the show, folks. Thanks so much for listening. And if you stuck around this long, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You could put five on it at greatmomentsinweedhistory.com, and that would really help us as we research, write, edit, and publish a new episode every Weedness Day. Great Moments in Weed History is written, produced, and performed by me, David Beanenstock, aka Bean.